Movie Sucktastic is a podcast about bad movies and the people that love them. But it's more than just a podcast. It's an, also an online presence. If you want to know more about Movie Sucktastic or want to become a part of Movie Sucktastic, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter, at Movie Sucktastic. You can find our blog at boothreviews.blogspot.com. Or if you want to give your own reviews that we might use on the show, you can go to reviews.moviesucktastic.com and check out our, our own little lunch.com community for Movie Sucktastic. Check us out and become a part of the show because the only thing more fun than a bad movie is sharing it. You're listening to Movie Sucktastic. I bet you guys didn't know I could play a musical instrument. Ha ha. Welcome to the newest episode of Movie Sucktastic. This is your co-host, Scott, but I am currently a solo host. That's right. Young Joseph is not here today. He's raising a youngin' of his own. Everybody, please congratulate Sir Joseph on the, the, the... the new arrival to the Guida family, a bouncing 87-pound baby boy. Not that high, but he's a biggin'. He's gonna, he's a biggin', and he's going to be tearing through walls in about four months. So we just you wait. Um, I don't know how I suddenly became slightly uh, southern, but I, I have a feeling it will pass shortly. Uh, this is uh, Scott, as I mentioned before, and we are doing a solo episode. This is going to be a short one because there's no Joey. And when there's no Joey, that means there's no production value. And there's uh, a lot of things that aren't there when Joey's not there. Uh, I'm on my second glass of brandy now, so I'm a little bit to the wind. Hang on a second. Mm -hmm. Oh, this is some good brandy. So I'm drunk dialing this episode in, thank you very much. And we're going to be covering not too much today. It's going to be a short episode of Movie Sucktastic. I want to start off by thanking all of our listeners, all of those of you who have tuned into the Movie Sucktastic podcast to listen to Joey and Scott babble incessantly about films that you have not seen or that you have seen and already know about. It's kind of amazing to me that we keep getting people listening, and by God, we're coming up on our 100th episode, and I cannot tell you how amazing that is to me. It just seems like it was yesterday where I was sitting around bullshitting with Joey about, oh, the Hitcher remake or some other crazy shit, and I said, you know... There there are people out there who record this and put it on the internet, and people listen to it. So I said, really? Because we do this all the time. So I know. Maybe we should record it and put it out there, and people will listen to it. And thus history was made for a scant few moments. Ah, I have a lot to say, but nothing really worthwhile to say, so... I talk about movies. I have a lot worthwhile to say. I'm just being uh, self-deprecating. It happens. It comes and goes. Uh, but I want to thank everyone who's been listening. Uh, the people who occasionally uh, leave reviews on the iTunes site. Uh, we, we often make fun of that. And uh, we're just, uh, you know, 
we're fooling around. We, we, you know, <laughs> it's we're all friends here. It's all good. It's all good. But we've been seeing our listenership uh, uh, increase drastically in the past few months. Uh, we started a second podcast, uh, "Strangers in a Strange Land," which we've been enjoying greatly. It's it's uh, it's less movies and more politics, social media, cultural bullshit. You know, basically anything we feel like talking about. It covers a wide breadth. You know, uh, but we've been seeing a vast increase in downloads. A lot more people are listening to the show, uh, current and past episodes. And I just want to take this time to honestly, personally, say to you, thank you. Thank you for listening. I'm glad that we're entertaining. Glad that <laughs> what we're saying to somebody at least makes some kind of sense. I I, I, I might be getting a little soft uh, with the alcohol. I might be getting a little of those I love you man types. But really, seriously, people, thank you. It, it's It's flattering to know that you're listening. Now, now Joey's not here. Ha! So Scott's got solo. So what's Scott going to do? Well, Scott has to do what Joey usually does. So let's let's do the top 10 for Joey. Uh and and Joey of course, maybe maybe Joey will take the time to slap some music in here. But other than that, it's just the the ET entertainment tonight bullshit and we go into our top 10. And normally, let's see, uh, let's let's do Joey's little thing. Uh, first, Joey would talk about the fact that Paranormal Activity number four was number one in the box office. So Joey's not here to actually gloat and mock me for four minutes, so we can just do a, ca- uh, a little uh, recap of that. Scott, Paranormal Activity did so good. <laughs> 29 million, 29 million. And then he starts talking other numbers. He's a, uh, let's see, 16 million here, 13 million there, 13 million here, 11 million here. It, uh, grossed 44 million in the beginning, but that was the first two weeks on 3,000 seats. If you move it to 5,000 seats, it would have done better. Of course, I think in early June, when the lights are against you, uh, and with the with the swans flying south, uh, it's it is possible they pulled another five million. But that's only because the, the you know they're, they're going to put they're going to push advertising in Des Moines, and when advertising in Des Moines pushed up, that's going to knock five million off of royalties. You know what I mean? And and that's going to go on for half an hour. And uh, after that, we can talk about the fact that Argo came in number two. Uh, then you had Taken 2 at number 3, Hotel Transylvania. That course, that shit's still going at 100 million strong. It, it, it's 100 million, it's a cartoon. And then you take the course, if it's a, it's 3D and that's $2 per seat additional, and with the kids going in with the parents, it probably only really made 100 million, maybe 90 million tops. Blah, 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 blah. Ha, ha, paranormal activity number 4 is number 1. Uh, Alex Cross is not doing as well as probably expected for... Uh, for uh, action film of the time, but I, I, you know, there's a lot of positive talk about it, but you know, maybe not. I think you're wrong, Scott. I think it's doing better than expected. Blah. Uh, Sinister. I actually want to see Sinister. The trailer looked interesting. Uh, it's, it's doing dick in the um, in the theaters. Three million dollar budget though, so it's already won with like thirty one million dollars. Here comes the boom, Kevin James, fucking nauseating bullshit. Is uh. Uh, I don't think doing very well. Uh, in its uh, second week, it's only made $23 million, uh, And they're not releasing the budget, so you know it costs way too fucking much. Uh, Pitch Perfect, who gives a shit. Frank and Weenie, already fucking tired of hearing about it. Looper, I actually saw Looper, folks, and I gotta say I'm a little disappointed. Uh, if Christian Walner's listening, sorry, dude. When I'm reading articles saying this has gotta be the best time travel film ever made, I'm expecting, hmm, maybe a little more time travel. It did have some clever time travel moments. It's got, and it's not a bad time travel film at all. But when you talk about a time travel film, uh, 
I want a little more time travel. I want a little more causality. And yeah, there's some causality with the whole looper thing. And that's a double meaning title that you, if you're paying attention to film, you'll understand. Um, but once you throw the, the, the fucking psychic wonder child into it, and I'm giving away a little bit, but who gives a shit? Because if you don't see that coming, you're fucking stupid. Uh, it, it gets a bit too silly for me. And it, it, if you're going to do time travel, just just keep it down to that. Let's not go all insane with this other crazy shit. I mean, there are some great time travel films out there. Uh, Looper will probably be among them, but not for the time travel. It's just going to be for the acting and the performances and... And uh, maybe the writing, the right screen screenwriting is very good. It's, it's uh, it doesn't go too crazy. It leaves a lot to just uh, understanding. It doesn't spell shit out for you. That doesn't have to be. Besides the incessant narration in the first half of the film, uh, it's not a bad film. Seven Psychopaths did not make the list, unfortunately. Un- unfortunately, uh, it's, but it's in the second week, so who knows? And that's really. You know, and that's 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 the top ten for it. Finger list, uh, Kevin fucking James. If I I I have not sat through one of his fucking films, I don't plan to ever. And this is another. And cutting my finger off is a good, perfectly acceptable sacrifice for keeping that streak alive. Thank you very much. But that's my five minute. That's my one minute uh, review of Looper. It was pretty good. Uh, yeah, it was okay. It was good. I enjoyed it, but uh, as far as blow-away time travel film, yeah, great. Okay. And I'm getting... And, and it really, Bruce Willis is becoming a little bit predictable in the roles he plays. Uh, he's really playing... And I don't want to sound like the guys are, oh, he plays the same character every time. All you got to say is he was good in this, but I'm sure the character he played in this is going to be even better in Die Hard 5, which I am looking forward to. Even though they're turning it into like a Mission Impossible shit. And he's getting too old now to actually run around. So it looks like he's doing a lot more walking and posing than actually diving and stunt work. Who knows? Maybe I'm wrong though. It's just a fucking trailer. What can you tell from a trailer? Shit, Stroke or Ace seemed like a good film as a trailer. But that, you know, and that's that. And I'm going to see Paranormal Activity 4 as soon as possible. Believe me, I cannot believe... The only thing I could believe more... The only thing that I, I have trouble believing more than the fact that Paranormal Activity 4 exists is the fact that Joey hasn't seen any of them and that they're rated R. You gotta fucking be, you gotta be fucking kidding me. What is in there that's rated R? And I've been reading stuff that's saying that, that they're not happy with the Paranormal Activity 4 uh, box office this weekend. Um, they're calling it underwhelming. It's, it was, it's, was number one at the box office. Uh, I don't know how that's underwhelming. I guess they, it made 29, 30, 29 million. I mean, when Saw was making thirty million opening weekends, people were like, "Oh, it's it's, it's everybody loves this film." Saw made consistently thirty million dollar opening weekends, so now Paranormal Activity is pulling in twenty nine million. It's like, well, you know, we expected more. It, 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 it what the fuck? I mean, I, you're you're upset because you're not drawing in a hundred million box office or fifty million box office, whatever the bullshit was. When everybody was too stupid to understand what the hell it was, what it was, it's a shitty fucking found footage movie that that 
no one should be seeing in the first place, and you're number one in the box office, uh, a, a good 15 million over number two. Fucking take it and shut up, bitch. I mean, yeah, the fact that it's the only horror film in the theaters uh, the week before Halloween, yeah, maybe you should be a little, uh, you know, embarrassed about that, but that just backs up my prediction that it's not going to do very well uh, Halloween opening weekend against a real horror film. So there. Or against, uh, what do you call it? Blah, 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 blah. Uh, Red Dawn remake. Oh, God fucking help us. And that's it. That's the finger list. That's the top ten. I uh, hope you liked it. Uh, I know this is a sad movie sucktastic episode. I'm sorry, folks. Joey's not around, and without his joyful, uh, barrel-chested laughing, it's just kind of hard to keep a straight face at all this. Plus, I recently went back and watched Atlas Shrugged, and if anything is going to suck the joy of movie going out of your chest like a knife wound, it's going to be Atlas Shrugged. It's bad enough I read the fucking book, but now I have to watch the movie, and for anybody who has watched the movie and has not read the book, yeah, it's just that stupid. There's really nothing to say there. There's really, yeah, a lot's cut out. They have to cut a lot out. But what they're cutting out is 14-page monologues by the characters. And let's, let's, let's be very specific about this. The movie is somewhat faithful to the book as far as words on page to screen. This is a detriment to any filmgoer because Ayn Rand is not a famous author because she was a good writer. She's a famous author because she wrote philosophical novels with philosophical treaties that people, for some reason, believed in. It's called objectivism. And the basis of the philosophical belief is that human emotion is bad, there is no God, People should worship greed in the dollar, and that people are should only be a, a allowed to obtain what they can earn, uh, and that there is no room for any kind of uh, social welfare or help or assistance, and all that ba- is based on human emotions, which are faulty, and and not as true and moral morally benevolent as pure greed and the occasional soft porn S&M rape scene, uh, pseudo-rape fantasy scene. That's basically what comes down to in any of Ayn Rand's writings. And it, it, this, this fear of the society, of government or of society smothering the genius and uh, abilities of the individual by demanding that the individual does not perform. The poor woman escaped Bolshevik uh, Russia or wherever the fuck she was from. She escaped, like, just, you know, hard communist regimes. And she went a little crazy because of it and reverted to the far, far right of that philosophy. And a lot of people that were, that are pro-greed and and uh, anti-human empathy and wanted a reason to be against uh, social programs like welfare or unemployment or, you know, work programs. Uh, Anybody who wanted to not feel guilty about not wanting to help people in need found a a great little support group called uh, the Ayn Rand fanatics, or Randroids, as they are affectionately known as. Uh, This is why 
uh, people on the in the Republican Party like uh, Paul Ryan embrace her as much as they can uh, until people start noticing what she stands for, and then has to say, "Oh well, you know, I just uh, I just liked her because of her stories, not because of her philosophical belief." Even though I said that I based my philosophical views on her. So if you're watching Atlas Shrugged and you've never read the book, this means that you were smart enough not to read the book. Um, and Atlas Shrugged is basically the story of uh, young Dagny Taggart, uh, who who is the female in a business. Uh, it's a railroad company, and it's being destroyed by the government. And greedy people who are unsuccessful business people, so they look towards the philosophy of no one being allowed to succeed more than anybody else, uh, communism or socialism, and that's tearing apart all these industries and the whole country is falling apart because uh, the government's stifling productivity and creativity through regulation. This is a Republican wet dream of a philosophical propaganda film. And going back to what I said before, she's not well known for writing uh, good prose. And the prose she did write was science fiction, with the exception of like the Fountainhead. But her famous works such as uh, uh, We the Living, I think it was called. I keep getting that mixed up with something else, but I'm pretty sure it's We the Living. Atlas Shrugged. They're science fiction. And when you're writing about a cause usually it's better when it's in a framework of a real occurrence. I like to draw examples between Atlas Shrugged and, ironically enough, The Grapes of Wrath. And I think you have to point out that Grapes of Wrath, written by John Steinbeck, about the evils of of corporations, actually pro-government, to the extent that it tries to help out in, in you know, New Deal-type ideals, uh, the evils of um, corporate oppression uh, and, and the exploitation of workers during recession and during downtimes. And it's based in a real time during a real event that happened and is uh, crushingly dreadful as far as like what the, the, the human stories it portrays of what actually happened to people and what was actually done to people and allowed to happen to people and is, is written in a serious tone but about a real thing. And he strives to create real characters to d- display this. Then you have Atlas Shrugged, where in order to espouse her ideals, she creates a fictional world with a science fiction angle to it, creates all of the strife and all of the uh, negative forces that are coming down upon her heroes, upon her idealistic uh, characters, has to create bizarre, extreme examples instead of the real ones that are in Grapes of Wrath and uses these to exemplify her philosophy by saying, see, here's what happens to individuals who believe and who strive. And it's the poor, rich uh, owners of industry, uh, uh, robber barons, we would call them now, who are being victimized by the poor and the government that tries to regulate them. And the only way that that argument makes any fucking sense to a rational human being is by creating a fictional, science fictional world around it in which such extreme measures are being taken against these people and these people are 
pure and ideal and, and only want one thing, but and they're being victimized, you have to create a fake world for this kind of victimization to actually exist. exist. And here's the upshot, folks. Watching it in a movie, it's even more ludicrous than it sounds. Watching it in a movie, you have to you you really have to ask yourself, and okay, it, why are these the good guys? And they're okay, this, but it's it's like watching any kind of real propaganda, uh, and that's what it is, propaganda, because the only way propaganda uh, in a simpler form, because technically anything that espouses a view is propaganda, because it's trying to form a view. Real propaganda lies. And real propaganda tries to sell you a false reality by twisting reality to fit the philosophy or the message. And Atlas Shrugged is pure propaganda because it takes a real-world occurrence, rich, wealthy, uh, conglomerate, monopoly, robber baron, uh, CEO, business owner, tycoons, and then creates this fictional world where they are idealistically pure, not corrupt, don't cheat, don't steal, believe in the purest values only because that's how they got there. Yeah. And that it's the poor people who expect them to give their money to them for free and the government that expects them to let them, you know, that everybody's basically stealing from these poor people who have created everything purely from the sweat of their brow and their intellect and their moral judgment. And anybody with any experience in the real world knows this is a crock of shit. And watching it on the big screen, and it's the third time and final time I'll approach this uh, subject, her writing, since it is not valued for its writing, but for its... Uh, I'm not Again, she's a competent writer, but when it comes to dialogue, and here in the world of cinema, dialogue is king, dialogue makes and breaks a film, dialogue either conveys realism or conveys, conveys schlock, ham-fisted attempts at conveying information through speaking. Ayn Rand is the head prom queen of exposition and diatribe. She does not write dialogue. She writes monologues that just happen to be occurring between two people. She writes diatribes. She writes speeches. And not in a good network kind of way or Michael Clayton kind of way. This isn't a bad Atlas Shrugged kind of way, where every time someone speaks, what's coming out of their mouth is either the uh, uh, basic synopsis of her philosophy or the exact opposite of it, just to show contrast to why she believes what she believes, why you should believe that. Um, so, I mean, apart from the fact that it's a, it's a weird alternate reality where... Just because gasoline got expensive, trains are now the main mode of transportation. Uh, if, if folks, there's more train action in this film than runaway train. Uh, unfortunately, there's also maybe there's a, a fraction of the action in this as runaway train. So what you're stuck with is uh, basically industrial film footage, vast amounts of industrial film footage of railways being created, trains skimming across the highway. There's this whole beautiful scene where they, they run the Taggart line uh, on the Reardon metal. Uh, don't even get me started on the fucking Reardon metal. And uh, it's supposed to be a really a triumphant scene. And if you watch Cool Runnings, when the Jamaicans wipe out 
and have to carry their bobsled over the finish line to finish last, there is more excitement and joy and and uh, uh, and cinematic hopefulness in that scene than there is in the entire train sequence in Atlas Shrugged because you're not buying it and no one's buying it for a minute. It's just a big train going fast. Uh, ironically, the Republican Party, who uh, who embrace Atlas Shrugged as, as, as their Bible, are constantly against uh, expansion of light rail tra- trains throughout the country. But that's kind of encroaching more in political discussion. It's a horrible film, folks. I, and I advise you strongly to watch Atlas Shrugged, because if you want to know why films are bad, it's the writing. Atlas Shrugged was never a good book. It's a good propaganda piece for... Uh, for uh, young kids who f- who are just amazed to find something that actually espouses some sort of philosophy other than your usual good versus evil bullshit, uh, and and intellectually dishonest right wingers who think they've found something that espouses their views, uh, as long as they can ignore the fact that uh, <laughs> it's a godless universe that Ayn Rand lives in. Um, Things to watch for in Atlas Shrugged is the fact that whenever uh, whenever a film is made that takes place in the future, the minute they start showing 50 styles as well, very bad, very bad, uh, very bad, uh, very bad sign, red flag. And you'll, as I've seen a lot of other reviews mention, this is a film that's supposed to uh, showcase opulence and wealth. And it does so on such a small budget that it's kind of obvious that they couldn't afford to show actual opulence and wealth. Um, and there's some CGI train, train shots that are very reminiscent of Birdemic's uh, hovering birds. So keep an eye out for that as well. Tomorrow night, I just want to mention, I will be going out to see the film Birdemic at a local movie theater with the Rift Tracks crew Voicing over it, yes. People keep an eye out for Rift Tracks. Go to rifttracks.com. They now hold, uh, much like Cinematic Titanic is doing their live location shots where they, they do MST3K riffs to films while you watch in a uh, in a the- theater, in a kind of uh, opera house, would you call it. Um, they're live and you're in a stadium-type seating kind of situation, uh, but it's a live performance. Rift Tracks does a similar thing, except they broadcast it to theaters across the country so you can go into select theaters and pay to watch the simulcast of their live riffing of the film as it happens on the uh, west coast it's uh it's it's hilarious i went to see um manos a few months ago now catching birdemic tomorrow if you get a chance tune in it might not be too late uh actually it will be too late by the time you hear this because i'm going to see it thursday and you're probably not going to hear just till thursday or friday but check out Rift Tracks, and the next time it comes into your town, buy a ticket and go see the show. Rift Tracks audiences are, are like the best audiences in the world. Any Mystery Science Theater 3000 fans are always the best audiences in the world to be watch a film with. And when they're watching a film that already has a Rift Track going, you know you're in for some fucking fun. Go. Um, other than that, uh, that's my drunk capsule review of, of uh, Atlas Shrugged. Um... If you've never read the book, I do recommend purchasing it. Uh, finding somebody who, uh, finding the person who recommended the book to you, and beating them with it. It's it's like 1,200 pages. You can do some damage with that. Uh, it, 
aim right for the head first. Get him down and then work the pelvis, work the body, work work the ribs. Uh, but get that first headshot in, otherwise they'll just scamper off. Um, other reviews coming up. I'm going to try to catch Paranormal Activity 4, of course. Just caught Amazing Spider-Man finally, and okay, it wasn't as bad as I thought it'd be. And Actually, compared to the Sam Raimi films, it's actually a little less comic booking, and a little more like a real movie, so I'll give it that. That wasn't that bad. Uh, I don't want us to start rattling off films I've seen recently, but have not watched in ages, caught And Justice for All, um, early Al Pacino, and you got to go back to watch a film like that. It is still relevant in this day and age. And it, it's watching a film from the 70s about crime and corruption in the justice system and just the, the kind of that emotional shutoff between uh, the upper class and the lower class when it comes to a situation like that where you have uh, high-paid lawyers dealing with uh, poor people and indigents and, and just showing that disconnect uh, of upper power and, and lower life and and having Al, uh, Al Pacino just kind of humanizing the whole thing. Great filmmaking, and just, again, films that are made in the 70s and 80s, or 70s, that, <laughs> that are still highly relevant 50 years later. It, it's amazing to me that, one, films that were made back then were actually good enough to survive that long, and two, that things have changed so little in the world around us that an Al Pacino film from the 70s can still feel like... And it was probably early 80s, too. I might be off on that. Um, it's just... It's impressive. You had to catch stuff like that. Network, still highly... That's definitely 80s. Network is... I'm probably wrong. Where's Joey to, where's Joey to fact-check me on dates? You can rattle them off of his head. Uh, I'm going to keep this a short movie, Sucktastic. We're coming in at half an hour, which is good enough for me. Uh, I'm going to be doing a couple of little solo episodes. I'll just try to maybe like maybe even 10 or 15 minute episodes just to throw out there some quick reviews, one shots. But please check out moviesucktastic.com. Uh, check us out on iTunes. Go to uh, YouTube. You can find us there. Go to Facebook, Movie Sucktastic. Check us out. Like us. Share some shit. Let us know what you've seen. Call the number. It's it's. I don't know the number off the top of my head. It's on Movie Sucktastic. Call the hotline. Leave a message. We'll play it on the show. And and just remember, just just good or bad, just watch some movies. Just broaden your horizons. Don't watch the same fucking thing twenty times over, thirty times over. Stop 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 quoting Office Space. Stop watching the same shit you watched in '87 because it was funny then. They've made more shit since then. They've made better stuff. They've made funnier stuff. They've made deeper stuff. They've made smarter stuff. Fucking watch it. Watch something you wouldn't normally watch. Watch a Bergman film. Watch it. Watch a silent movie. Watch a watch a romantic comedy if you're not into those. Pick. Go to Netflix and just pick a random film. Pick something that people recommended you see. Uh, like a friend told you to see, and you're like, yeah, that's not really not for me. Fucking watch it anyway. Stop stop focusing your life just on the shit you know. Stray from the comfort zone. Experience something new, even if it's Superman 2, the Donner cut. Just fucking watch an earnest film and see why everybody keeps bitching about him. Maybe you'll actually laugh. Just, just fucking break the mold, dig in, and experience some new movies because there's so many fucking films out there. There's no excuse to, to not watch something at random just to get a new view on what what you can experience or get out of a film. Fucking 
walk the stride. But whatever you do, just make sure it's not a fucking Kevin James film. Fuck that guy. Next to Black... Jack Black, just... Draw. That's all I have to say about that. Joey, put a cap on this and post it out there. I'll talk to you guys, uh... Soon. Bye.